Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the Bald Face Truth. Big scene at Rice Eccles Stadium today as the NIL Collective for Utah, the Crimson Collective, get this, Stephen. They announced that they're giving every player on the football team a brand new Dodge Ram 1500 night edition package, a $60,000 truck. But the catch is they're apparently not getting to keep it. They're getting a six-month lease on the vehicle. Better than nothing, I guess, right? Unpack that. You know, you tell me. <laughs> I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess, right? I mean, you know, driving in style while you're playing for the team. Free lunch is never free. I'm just, I saw, ooh, they're getting new trucks. And I saw the pictures, and I retweeted it. And then if you look at the fine print, it's basically a six-month rental car. It'll look good for the for TikTok and the Instagram. I mean, you know, the pictures. Nice truck. I, I'm not going to say I turned it down. Yeah, I mean, if you're on Utah, you're not saying, yeah, please don't give me that. I'll, I'll take it. You'll take that. Blazers coach Chauncey Billups, he says training camp has been fun. They're down in Santa Barbara. Yeah, it was, it was fun, man. It was fun. Um, you know, the first day of training camp is always, you know, you get those jitters, man, and everybody's nervous. Nobody wants to mess up. But we, I mean, our enthusiasm was, was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Um New guys started to pick some stuff up pretty quickly. Try to keep it very simple. You know, on the first day, it's a lot of teaching. But we also did quite a bit of playing today, too, uh, which is what I wanted to do. Um, but it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Man. New era of Blazers basketball. Here to talk about it, our friend Sean Hyken, RoseGardenReport.com. He covers the Blazers. Hyken is with us. Uh, was it fun for you? Well, I, we, I didn't actually get to watch the practice. They kind of only let us in at the end. But I will say the weather is a lot nicer out here than it is. There you go. See? Fun was had by all. Ch- Chauncey Billups, uh, sounds like he's selling fun this new era. How weird did it feel to have a training camp without Damian Lillard being part of it? We got to get Sean Hyken back. He felt like I kind of felt like he dropped off there, and then I thought maybe his phone just cut out for just a second, but then he really did drop off. The weather's better, but maybe the phone connection not as good. <laughs> maybe in Santa maybe somebody at the phone company didn't like him taking a pot shot at the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> They're always listening, John. you know. They're always They're listening. like, nope. There, we're done. Done with that call. You're off. I had a I had a weird one with the phone company today. I got a, a an alert on my phone that said. That, you know, they apologized for the service outage that had to do with uh, internet 
connectivity in the area. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Are we not going to have a radio show? So I called them up, and they're like, no, no, you're fine. I was like, well, what's, about the, what's going on with this alert? And they were like, oh, that, was, that just automatically fires. And I was like, don't do that to me. I don't need that scare. All right, Sean Hyken is back. The weather's good there, but what? how different is it to have a camp with no Damian Lillard? It's different for sure. It, it's it's you know it's it's just it's just been a different vibe. I don't even want to say different in a bad way necessarily because you know obviously everybody is you know in a way sad that you know that era is over. But it's the most I'll, I'll put it this way, and I guess you can kind of expect this with just whenever there's a new era in this way, and you move on from somebody who has been with the team and has had such an impact for so long as him. But it feels. I don't know. Everybody feels kind of refreshed because, like, whatever whatever way this goes, I don't know. I, mean, I don't think this team is going to win a lot of games, but I think everybody's kind of excited that it's going to be something different. Give me an idea when you say not going to win a lot of games. What range are we talking about for total wins for the upcoming NBA season? I've the number I've been just kind of having as a ballpark is twenty seven, so probably twenty five thirty. I think, and I don't even think it's necessarily going to be because they do what they did last year and shut everybody down and like intentionally try to lose games and, and, and play G leaguers or, or what, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't know if they're going to do that again. I think it's more just this team is so young and young teams very rarely are actually good and win a lot of games. And the West is also so deep that they might just organically lose enough games to by just playing all their guys and letting them all play through mistakes. They might still lose enough games to get the kind of draft pick that they want to get. So I would expect them to not, you know, I would, I would expect them to be probably like 12th, 13th in the West, something like that. that. That's kind of where I would have it going into the end of preseason, but obviously a whole lot can change. Is this the season where we get to find out what kind of coach Chauncey Billups is? Meaning, do we learn more about him when he's got a, a lineup that he gets to put together that doesn't have a star player? And, you know, do we learn about Chauncey? It, you kind of have to, right? Like the last the last two years, there's always been stuff that you know you could point to and that they have pointed to of like you know the first year he inherited a roster that was built for the way that Terry Stotts wanted to play, and then you know the Neil stuff happened two months into the his first season, and then Dame gets shut down with the ab surgery, and then they trade the you know half the team and CJ McCollum, and then last year there were a bunch of injuries, and the roster was still kind of not. Perfect. Now it's like, and I wrote this the other day after media day, the only player left on this team that Neil Olshay drafted or that ever played for Terry Stotts is Anthony Simons. Everybody else on the team is handpicked by Joe Cronin specifically for Chauncey Billups. So whether it works or not long term, it's going to be on the two of them. And so, yes, I, you know, whatever, you know, I, like I said, I don't think, you know, wins and losses are really going to be the point of the season because I don't think there's going to be a lot of wins, but in terms of establishing an identity, establishing a style, and having uh, you know individual development of guys, yes, like that stuff is all going to be on Chauncey at this point to happen or not. Sean Hyken with us, RoseGardenReport.com. Joe Cronin maybe goes into the summer with people wondering what is he going to do. I think he comes out of the summer and into training camp looking like he did a pretty good job getting what he could get for Damian Lillard. How do you read it? I think people are very impressed with the way that he handled the whole Dame situation. You know, g- given given kind of the position that he was put in by Dame's representatives, where, you know, the trade request comes on July 1st, and then right away it's 
you know, it becomes clear the only place he wants to get traded to is Miami. And, you know, it doesn't matter that Joe and his staff didn't like really any of the stuff that Miami had. And, you know, he, he talked to us in Las Vegas at Summer League on July 10th, and he basically said, you know, we're going to be patient and we're going to wait until we get the best deal for us. And, you know, you look at it, it took the whole three months. It basically took until, you know, less than a week before training camp started. But I think if you look at that final outcome, it's not, you know, in terms of, you know, you want to say, oh, they didn't do right by Dane because they didn't send him to the place he wanted to go. Yeah, they didn't send him to the place he wanted to go when the place he wanted to go was Miami, but they sent him to a pretty incredible basketball situation. He's talked all the time about how he only wants to be, have a chance to win a title, and now he gets to play with Giannis, and he's going to have a, as good a chance to win a title as he's ever had in his career. And Portland, I think, got back a lot more than they would have gotten in Miami. So I think it's one of those things where, you know, I, I realize, like, I know, you, you know there was the stuff with the Chris Haynes story. And, you know, all, all the, all the, whenever there's a breakup of a relationship that lasted as long as this one did, there's always going to be stuff that, you know, comes out that both sides are saying about each other and some stuff that maybe everybody could have handled differently. But I think both Dane and the Blazers come out of this in a much better position than they were in before. Right now, a lot of hope and excitement around Scoot Henderson. What do you see when it comes to Scoot? Everyone loves him. I've, I've just every I've, we've been talking to guys about him, and you know, he seems just from a personality standpoint. I haven't really gotten a chance to really sit down and spend some real quality one-on-one time with him yet. But just from like the little time we've been able to be around him, seems like a great kid, great personality, very you know infectious. A very different type of energy from Damian Lillard. You know, I mean, Dame is Dame is just a very you know he's a great guy, but he's a very you know low-key kind of reserved guy scoot is very i mean maybe just because he's a kid he's 19 but he's very you know high energy very you know infectious personality that's the thing you ask you you ask anybody about him they all say i mean as far as on-court stuff everybody talks about how fast he is and just you know his athleticism and then also his unselfishness and his court vision and people like playing with him but also from a personality standpoint he just seems like a kind of guy that you know people like being around and i think fans are going to embrace him pretty quickly Sean Hyken with us. The, you know, when we talk about best player on the team, you know, Damian Lillard has been that answer for a decade. Who's the best player right now? Is it Scoot or do you do you defer to Anthony Simons or or someone else? Anthony Simons or Jeremy Grant is probably the, or maybe DeAndre Ayton. I don't know. Like it's, it's you can't you can't really come in and say, I mean unless except unless it's like Victor Wembanyama, you can't really come in and say a 19-year-old kid who's never played in the NBA before is the best player on the team. I think if all goes according to plan, Scoot is going to become that guy pretty quickly. But I think you kind of have to defer to one of the more veteran guys on the team. And that, to me, you know, that would be Simons, Jeremy, or uh, Aiden at this point. When uh, I, I also think, you know, when you look at this team, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on making sure the pieces that they got for Damian Lillard uh, you turn into assets, but some of this is draft related. You mentioned DeAndre Ayton. He is saying he's going to turn over a new leaf. He's going to, you know, his motor is his emphasis. Um, you know, I, I, I know that people are going to be skeptical of that, but do you have confidence that Ayton can be a different kind of player, or are we going to be talking two years from now about him being a little bit of a dog and maybe his motor wasn't there? What do you, how do you read that? Uh, it's hard to say right now. I mean, every, right now, all you can go on is what people are saying, and everybody's saying all the right things about how he's motivated, and he, 
needed a fresh start after kind of the way things went in Phoenix. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how that looks in a couple of years. I think, obviously, the talent is there. He's been the starting center on a team that went to the finals, and he played very well in that finals. But then the two years since then, you know, you saw the way the playoffs went and, you know, some of the issues that he had with Monty Williams and with Chris Paul. So there's definitely some question marks there. But I think right, right now everybody's saying all the right things. I have no idea how the next couple of years are going to play out. But for right now, everybody it seems like everybody's on the same page about him. Joe Cronin's next move, what is it? Uh, I That's a good question. I think he... He's. I. Th- I think they kind of want to take a breather for a little bit, as far as like it's. This has just been such a whirlwind of a, a couple of weeks between getting the Dame trade hammered out, and then you know immediately open up opening up a bidding war for the Drew Holiday piece of it, and then getting the deal done with Boston. There's been a lot of talk about uh, potentially flipping Malcolm Brogdon to a contender for some more draft picks, but the sense that I've gotten from Joe, from Chauncey, and from Malcolm Brogdon just got to talk to for the first time today because he just got in yesterday and took his physical is that they want to keep him around at least for a little bit because this is such a young team it's it's like basically all kids you need to have at least one or two adults on the team you can't have the whole team be have no (laughs) veterans and so i think they want to i mean no this is this is you, you you laugh but this is this is true like with a lot of these young teams like this is something that dame and chauncey both complained about a lot last year was just that they were it was such an inexperienced team and and, you know, there's so many kids. You have to have one or two veterans on the team that can kind of help. Because you, you can't just be like, Chauncey is great at, like, teaching guys stuff and relating to guys as a former player. But the coach can't be the only guy with a lot of NBA experience on the team. You have to have a couple of guys that have been in the league for a few years. And I think they feel like, at least for the short term, Malcolm Brogdon can be the guy that fills that role. I mean, I think it's there's a decent chance that they do trade him before the deadline. But I don't think that's really imminent right now. I keep thinking about Shaden Sharp's playing time, his minutes. If you keep Malcolm Brogdon, does that affect Shaden Sharp? I don't think so because I think that develop having him develop and having him, you know, become what they think he can be is a pretty big priority. I mean, you saw last year, let me on last year it was a little the team had a little bit different goals than uh the team that they have this year. This year everybody kinda knows it's a rebuilding situation and you are really expecting them to make the playoffs. Last year with Dame and with bringing in Jeremy Grant, everybody kind of thought, okay, the goal here is the playoffs and maybe more. And Shaden was still getting minutes from day one of the season. Now that they're in a rebuilding situation where he's one of the core pieces of it, I don't think they really have anything to worry about, or he really has anything to worry about as far as like his minutes are going to get cut because Malcolm Brogdon is there. I think I, I'm, I'm expecting the starting backcourt to be uh, Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simons, but I think both uh, Shaden and Brogdon are, are going to get minutes. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's really the minutes crunch is really going to be an issue there. Sean Hyken, RoseGardenReport.com is with us. He's at training camp with the Blazers in Santa Barbara. No Damian Lillard part of camp. Uh, I mentioned Scoot Henderson. Did, you know he's got a lot of confidence, Sean. I. You know you hear him talk. You hear, watch him play, and I. I think there's a guy who's going to be a star. I did worry a little bit in summer league when, you know, he has a shoulder thing. And, you know, maybe it's just because we've been through it in Portland. Do you have concerns about his durability, injuries, how he will hold up? If you've ever been around him up close, he is built. I mean, he's told us, but he's talked to us before about how he played football in high school and he was a running back. So he's a pretty solidly built guy. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's like a Derrick Rose situation where, like, 
you know, he, he, you know, he's so small and skinny that like he, he you know, he lands on, on his foot wrong. And he's going to like tear his ACL. I think, I don't think that part of it is. And he's also the other thing about, about Scoot is he's been playing against professionals for two years in the G league. So it's not like this is, you know, a huge adjustment. I'm obviously a talent level higher in the NBA than it is in the G league, but it's not, uh, I like I I don't think there's that there are those sorts of concerns about about scooting. From what I understand, that shoulder thing was just a minor thing, and they held him out of summer league just to be on the safe side. But actually, and this is kind of you know I don't know if I've ever seen this. I've been covering the NBA for ten, eleven years, whatever it is. I don't think I've ever seen this. There are they are in train. We're, knock on wood, we're two days into training camp. There are no injuries of any kind. Everybody knocking on wood. Hold on, I'm not cutting him off. His phone company's cutting him off again. Check on him while I knock on wood as he says, there are no injuries, and then suddenly his phone goes dead. So, that Stephen, was a very blazery answer right like, there. Wait a minute. Wait, where did he go? As he said, there are no injuries. Bonk. Um, you know, this morning my phone went off. It was the emergency uh, alert service. I don't know if you got one of those. Like every once in a while, you get a beep. Yeah, like, it is, this, yeah. this is just a warning. I think it happened all at the same time for all of us. Uh, and it's, uh, I feel like Sean Hyken just just uh, did an emergency alert service. You said there are no injuries, and then you disappeared. So uh, yeah, that's, the... they, that, that, it was, that, it's actually <laughs> me that just had an injury. No, but but no, as, as I was saying, uh, yeah, I don't know why I got I got cut off. We had that injury alert or that that emergency alert today on the phone. But anyway. Yeah, like I have never, I don't know if I've ever seen, at least personally covered, whether it was here in Chicago where I used to be, uh, a training camp where all of the players on the roster are fully healthy and fully participating, and there is no injury that you have to monitor at all. Like, we'll see how long that lasts. Obviously, you know, it's a long season, long training camp, something's going to come up. But especially when you consider that uh, both the two guys they just got from Boston, Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Robert Williams, have had pretty significant injury concerns throughout their career, and you know, they both they we I we asked them both today when we met them for the first time how they are physically, and they said they're both at a hundred percent. So at least as of right now, that part of it is all it's all good so far. Sean Hyken, RoseGardenReport.com. All right, what else do you want to learn in training camp? What's left to learn about this team? I am very. We haven't gotten to talk to Shaden Sharp yet out here. I'm very curious how he looks going into his second training camp versus his first training camp because he was like he was such a mystery last year because he didn't actually play at Kentucky and then he got hurt five minutes into his summer league debut so we haven't really seen much from him and then Chauncey was talking last year about how quickly he was picking things up and then this year Chauncey said yesterday that it's just been light years ahead of this one of of where he was last year so I'm really curious about uh that and somebody else this is a little bit of like a lower profile thing but uh out of the non-scoot rookies, the guy that, I mean, Chauncey talked about him today, but also, you know, I talked to a couple other folks in the organization about him, and the guy that I've been hearing a lot of really good things about is Tumani Kamara, the second-round pick that was a second-round pick of the Suns and came over as one of the pieces in the Dane trade. I mean, he's a forward out of Dayton, a little bit of an older college player, but I started to hear some good things about him, so I'm real curious to see how he looks when he actually gets out there. Sean Hyken, I appreciate you, man. I'm going to cut you loose. Thank you. Yeah, good to talk to you, John. There he is, rosegardenreport.com, if you want to read Sean Hyken. Steven, some quick takeaways. What are you hoping to get out of this training camp? Uh, I think number one, and you and Sean touched on it right at the end, there uh no injuries, right? I, you know, As a Blazer fan, that's kind of what you always expect is there's going to be some injuries, but uh, that's number one. Number two, it's just 
I'm so intrigued with Scoot Henderson because, you know, as Hyken said, he he played he's played professionally for two years. When he was 17, he was playing in the G League. He's been around pros. He he listens to Poo Jetter, who's now on the Blazers uh, staff. Like this guy wants to learn and he wants to play. And, and I'm so intrigued with how he is. You know, the thing that I've been hearing about out of training camp, John, is that Scoot may be just a little too confident. And for me, that's wait, a good... Wait, wait, wait. Too confident? That's a good thing. Such a thing? Gold, he had gold-plated stuff when he was in Summer League on the luggage. Mm. Like, you know, because he's been a pro. He's a multimillionaire. He's already got that stuff, and he's kind of got the ego, and I like it. I like that he's the alpha leader. He wants to take leadership of this team. I, I'm very intrigued. So that's what I've been hearing, but, uh, you know, I don't think that's a problem. I think it's a good thing. So for me, it's injuries, and it's hearing all good things about Scoot Henderson. I can't get enough of that. I uh, I read a story one time that was written by an NBA agent, and it was about how NBA players end up broke. And the first thing was, NBA player gets rookie contract, gets drafted, gets gets the first paycheck, gets the signing bonus, whatever it was. What do they do first thing? They buy mom a house, right? Fulfill a dream, buying my mother a house. Second thing is, they buy their own house. Then they buy a nice car and jewelry then they go to training camp, which is where the rookies are right now. They arrive at training camp. They look around and they go, oh, I just have a nice car. I don't have a Maserati. Like, I don't have a one of 20 that are available. And then they go buy another car. Uh, and, you know, it's like three months into your uh, into your NBA existence. You haven't played a game yet. And suddenly you're in the hole for, like, I remember Zach Randolph as a rookie. Remember when he punched Reuben Patterson? He, he got fined for it. Zebo didn't have any money. Like, he, he was out of money. He was on the road with the team, and he was living off his per diem, you know, because he had blown all his money on jewelry and cars, and, you know, he wasn't thinking. So uh, I hope a lot of confidence, gold-plated luggage. I hope Scoot's got a financial advisor in his corner. That's all I'm going to say. All right, leave it here. Anna's popping into the studio. We have so much to talk about. We have great sound. Still ahead, Jonathan Smith, Oregon State coach. I want you here for it. Anna's in the studio, and I want to talk, uh, I want to unpack the plight of the Mariners here because I think it speaks to a larger truth in corporate America. And frankly, it speaks to motivation. There's personal motivation, and there's organizational motivation. Like, for me, I host this radio show. This is uh, my domain. Okay, I'm master of the domain here, right? And I, I can't control what happens outside of my three hours on the radio station, right? So I have to focus, much like a race car driver driving the car, on driving the car. I can't worry about the pit crew. I can't worry about the maintenance crew that's in charge of the track. I can't worry about, you know, the ticket prices and beer sales. I focus on driving the car for three hours a day on this show, right? Mm-hmm. That makes sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jerry DePoto is the general manager of the Seattle Mariners. He's focused on constructing the roster. But the Mariners internally have a business plan. They have a philosophy. And it doesn't line up with what players want and what fans want. Players are frustrated. Cal Rowley, player on the team, comes out after the Mariners meltdown. Don't make, you know, they don't make the push late in the season to be a playoff team. And Rowley says, hey, basically, look at the teams that are making it. They're going for it. They are uh, chasing and signing a big free agent bat. Or they're making a trade 
for a pitcher late in the year that puts him over the top. The Mariners didn't do that. And, of course, Rowley gets called in by his team. He gets told, hey, um, you need to change that messaging publicly. He comes out publicly, makes kind of an apology publicly for having those uh, thoughts. And now uh, General Manager Jerry Depoto is put in front of media. I played this clip earlier. I want to play it again. I told you yesterday that there was an organizational philosophy that's lurking in the background of whatever the Mariners are doing here. And Jerry Depoto pulled the curtain back on it in his news conference. If you go back and you look in a decade, those teams that win 54% of the time always wind up in the postseason, and they more often than not wind up in World Series. Now, so there's your, your bigger picture process. Nobody wants to hear the goal this year is we're going to win 54% of the time because sometimes 54% is, is something. One year you're going to win 60%, another year you're going to win 50%. You know, it's whatever it is. But over time, that type of mindset gets you there. If what you're doing is focusing year to year on what do we have to do to win the World Series this year, you might be one of the teams that's laying in the mud and can't get up for another decade. So we're actually doing the fan base a favor (laughs) and asking for their patience to win the World Series while we continue to build a sustainably good roster. When he says we're doing the fan base a favor, your jaw dropped. Ouch. Uh, he knew he said it when he said it because he went, huh, like, I can't believe I just said that. Uh, he's going to regret that one. Um, yeah, so he's asking the fans who are by nature impatient. But Mariners fans, by and large, very forgiving. Have been very patient, have they not? They're forgiving. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.